Hey girl. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, I know. But I'm glad you're here with me. And thank you so much for coming to the Front Burner Podcast. Now, if you follow me on Instagram or on Facebook, you know that today is a little bit different. And, um, oh gosh, a lot has happened since you're watching this today. Um, my father, um, if you guys don't follow me on Instagram, hopefully you do, but um, my father passed away, um, not un unrelated to COVID, but um, he passed away, oh gosh, um, about a little over a month and a half ago now. And um, it's uh, it's taken me a while to even like come back to social media and um, and all that stuff. And I do also want to thank everybody that has sent their well wishes, cards, text messages, um, reaching out to me and my family, and it just blessed me so much. So I appreciate all of your love and all of your support. Um, during this extremely difficult time and um, it was definitely unexpected and I am still in disbelief sometimes that he's not here but I know he would want me to to keep going to push forward and so that's what I'm doing um, I'm not ignoring the grieving process that is for sure that's why it's taking me a little bit longer to get back on but um, I thought I would come on here and just kind of share a little bit about my journey and how things have, have transpired and really what that has looked like over the past, gosh, eight weeks now, um, you know, dealing with loss and not just my father, but my grandfather also passed um, a week after my father had passed. So um, dealing with two losses and, um, you know, just what that has looked like because at the end of the day like you know i always try to be as transparent as possible with my my gal pals my tribe and we deal with grief too we deal with loss um you know as moms as wives as sisters as daughters as aunties and everything in between you know being a you know kick butt entrepreneur or boss mom or whatever you want to call it life happens stuff happens tragedy happens and i wanted to get on here and really talk about it because you know you can't be this awesome mompreneur um boss mom without also going through that as well so i'm gonna tell you what's been going on and i'm gonna be real and um i hope that this encourages somebody that this blesses somebody honey if that is you i hope that this blesses you um if it does go ahead and send me a dm you know i love your messages and um yeah it'll it'll encourage me for just being able to to share with you so let's go hey ladies Welcome to another episode of the Front Burner Podcast, where we help mamas take their dreams, passions, and side hustles off the back burner, put them on the front burner, make money, and manage their households. I'm Nikki Willis, a Christ follower, wife, mom of three, 
and an entrepreneur who started with nothing but my kids' toys and turned it into a six-figure business. I'm a self-proclaimed anti-supermom, and each week I'll challenge you with my stories, tips, hacks, and a little bit of humor to make sure you put yourself on the front burner. Why? Because the world needs what you've got cooking. So honey, this is officially part of your me time regimen. Relax, listen up, and let's get started. So before I get started, I want to shout out Kiva Davis, who sent me this really cute tea, and it says, my words have power, okay? And her whole brand is hashtag year of the woman, which, honey, in 2020, we definitely need all the trophies, all the awards, because mommies, we have been stepping up like crazy. We have become teachers. We have become, uh, you know, um, also running our businesses and everything else. So it's definitely the year of the woman and your words do have power. My words have power. Um, that honey, that's one of the lessons that I have learned this year. My words have power. And even though this year has been crazy, I refuse to cancel 2020. I don't care how many weeks we've got left. I refuse to cancel 2020 because my year, my words have power and Speaking negatively on anything could kill a blessing in disguise, could kill something that you've got coming up. So I refuse, I refuse to cancel 2020. I refuse to speak bad, even when I want to, about 2020, um, because my words have power. And not only do they have power in the negative sense, they have power in the positive sense too. So shout out to you, Kiva Davis. Um, I will have the description and the link where you can get this really cute shirt. And um, you can rock it out with me. She's got a ton of them. She's got ones that actually do say Year of the Woman, which I love. Um, I think there's like some camo and I know some of y'all can really rock, rock some camo. So I hope you get that shirt too. Um, but thank you so much, Kiva, again. Uh, the link will be in the description and yeah, go ahead and get it. Rock it with some jeans, throw some heels with it. Make it look cute. Also, listen, if you are not following the Front Burner Tribe, um, you can go ahead and follow me at Nikki Willis. That's N-I-C-C-I-W-I-L-L-I-S. This is the final episode of the year. Like I said, I'm revamping, I'm relaunching for 2021. Um, if you got some ideas for me, I'd love to get those. Um, let me know, Mama, what you want to hear for 2021. But this will be the final episode, and the next episodes after this will actually be my top three episodes from my first year. Oh my gosh, it's been a whole year. Dang, that went fast. That really did. That went really fast. But thank you so much for joining me this whole year. We've done season one and season two. So we're wrapping up season two and we're wrapping up the year in this episode. And like I said, I'm so glad that you are with me. This episode might be slightly emotional. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I can get through it. 
when I get to like weird parts, I kind of get, my voice gets a little cracky. So just bear with me. Okay. So here we go. So this episode is, like I said, a bit different because I want to be as transparent as possible. And uh, I'm all about sharing my story, even when it's not perfect. Um, even when, oh gosh, I have so much going on. But um, it's important for me to share because there are so many women out there that are in my position where you may have started your own business, maybe you are a couple years in, maybe you are at the idea phase or anywhere in between. If you wanna be a boss, if you wanna be a mompreneur, if you've got a dream, if you have something inside of you, you are going to go through certain tragedies in life. There's no ignoring it. There's no getting out of it. There's no getting around it. It's just gonna happen. And it's nothing that you plan for, ever, right? I mean, when we put our plans together, when we put our vision boards together or anything like that, like you don't save a space for bad things to happen, right? <laughs> you don't plan a space for, you know, well, I think there'll be a pandemic this year. So I'll put, you know, the picture of a virus on my vision board, right? Like we don't do that, but, um, but life happens and loss happens. And um, in October, gosh, it was, yes, that long ago, right now it's December. So um, October, I got a phone call from my brother um, telling me that my dad was in the hospital. And, um, you know, it, we didn't know how, quite how serious it was or, or anything. Um, and so I began to, you know, text my dad and see what was going on. I wasn't getting a response back, which was kind of weird. Um, and so, you know, I'm a praying woman. Um, and so, I, you know, I just began to pray and said a prayer and just texted my dad how much I loved him, you know, things like that. And um, I didn't hear back from him until late Thursday afternoon. Like it was a Thursday. So late Thursday afternoon, I didn't hear back from him until then. And so, you know, it was kind of strange what he was saying. He was like, you know, I was fighting for my life today. And I was just like, you know, like, what's going on? And he, you know, expressed that his, you know, oxygen levels were a little low and some other complications. And, and um, he had hurt his back a few weeks back. And so when he was going to get his physical therapy, they had found that his oxygen levels were really, really low. Um, and my dad has had congestive heart failure from two years back and so anything with you know in, there there are specific symptoms that you got to look out for forever right and so fast forward um you know they found out that you know there were some things that weren't quite right so they rushed him to the hospital so here he is in the hospital and um and you know he texts all of my siblings which is me my two brothers and my my sister and you know tells us how much he loves it tells us all how much he loves us and thanks for you know praying we all text back you're okay with we love you dad yeah. um but it was another day and he was still in there and they had intubated him now intubated means you know they stick the whole tube down your, your throat and, and everything to help you breathe and um turns out he had had you know an infection in his blood and also pneumonia so he was fighting against uh, several things 
And um, by then we kind of started to get a little concerned. We were meeting, you know, on Zoom, obviously, as a family, um, my siblings and I, and, uh, you know, just trying to see what was happening next. Um, the doctors were getting a little bit more concerned, um, but, you know, my faith was still like, okay, you know, healing, healing, right? So, uh, gosh, like five days go by and, um, you know, the doctors go from, okay, we're, we're positive, you know, we just need to get this pneumonia out of his system or, you know, out of his lungs and, you know, clear the infection. Um, but his heart was weakening. And so there's said, you know, that's another concern for us. And so it kind of just started escalating. Um, so about five days go by and, you know, we are now getting updates from the doctors, you know, on a daily basis, you know, some of it was, it began to get kind of, you know, every few hours we were getting updates and, um, I'm, you know, obviously here in Vegas and, um, I was at a, a women's conference at my church, shout out to Central Church. Um, I love my church, um, but I was at a women's conference and at this point I'm getting, you know, and I sing on the worship team. So, um, like, you know, going in, singing for worship, coming back out to the green room and, you know, getting phone calls and getting updates about my dad. And that's when I'm like, okay, I know I need to go. It's time for me to go. Um, so I fly out that following that Thursday and, um, I get there, you know, Thursday night, um, get home to my dad's house on Thursday night. And, um, the next day, that Friday morning, I go in and see him, and he's full of tubes. <sighs> that was probably one of the hardest things I had ever seen, at, at least at that point. It's full of tubes, all these IVs all over him. And, um, you know, I kind of I held it together at that point, but I knew something was, you know, something was shifting. Something wasn't right. Um, sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. It's okay. Um, it's, um, I talked to one of the doctors, you know, of course my siblings and I were constantly talking to doctors, but I talked to the cardiologist and he goes, you know, I, I talked to the, to the heart surgeons today and your dad's heart is weakening. His pneumonia hadn't gone away. The blood infection hadn't gone away because of the complications. And he said, he's gonna need open heart surgery sooner than later. That's what he kept saying, sooner than later. And I'm like, soon today, soon tomorrow? Like, what are you saying? He said, sooner than later. I said, okay. Um, and so after that, Things were just a blur for several hours. I mean, I was there at like eight o'clock in the morning. And by the time, you know, the the head cardiologist came in and spoke with me, um, my brothers on, on the phone, my dad was getting airlifted to another hospital and headed into open heart surgery. I mean, it was within like a four hour time span. Now, this story is not all bad. I won't say that it's all bad. Um, there's some good parts to this story. Um, because I always, you know, my dad always says, what the devil meant for bad, God turned it around for good. 
And I say that because I know even in the midst of all this, I know God's hand was on my dad. I know it and I know his hand was was just all over our family. Um, at the time, my dad, my dad needed a, a heart valve replacement. They didn't know if he needed two, but just in case they were gonna send him to the hospital that had two. My dad um, also was in such a, like a critical condition. Um, they said, you know what, we're gonna have the, the lead cardiologist, uh, the lead cardio surgeon, is that the right word? I don't know. But we're gonna have him do the surgery. And number three, your dad is in such a critical condition, we might need to use a heart and lung machine, which I later found out is like a life, is a life support machine. But they say we might need to use that um, just in case. And the lead surgeon that we are electing to do this surgery, he's the one that knows how to hook him up. And there are only two of those heart and lung machines in the city. So we're going to airlift him to that specific hospital where all three of those things, the, the valves, the doctor, and the heart and lung machine are there. So they air they airlift him and I can remember, I mean it was a it was a blur. I was there by myself obviously because of COVID. And I remember hearing the helicopter. I mean I went back to his room like after they had told us all this stuff and they said, you know, we have to get him on the table this afternoon or he's not gonna make it. And I, you know, rushed up to his room. I, you know, I collected his things. And I'm at this point, I'm, I'm bawling um, because, you know, I, I see the, the air care team come in and, you know, they're packing him up, you know, and I'm just looking at my daddy and he's just, he's just laying there. He still has the tube in his, down his throat and all these other tubes. And uh, it was such a, it was such a surreal sight. And then, um, the air care team said, um, you want to kiss your daddy goodbye? Ugh. And I cried. I cried all over his little forehead. <laughs> I cried. I cried. Um, but um, I said, I'll see you later, daddy. I said, I'll see you later. Um, and so the nurses took me one way and they took my dad another way and they walked me out so I can get to my car and everything. And, I, and I, as I'm walking to my car, I can he hear the helicopter again, taking my daddy. And the hospital that he was going to took, took them no more than 15 minutes to get him there. But for me, it was like a 45 minute drive. So, um, so I'm driving, but I don't remember getting there. Like, I don't remember getting there. I just remember getting to the OR, floor um and just you know frantically saying my dad is you know my dad's in surgery he's getting open heart surgery today and um and it it happened so fast they the registration staff wasn't even updated that's how fast he was in the or and so what was supposed to take four to five hours was nearly an eight hour surgery so I was there at the new hospital from about one to nine o'clock at night. Um, my brother, my twin, y'all know my twin. Yes, the one that said right here, that one. <laughs> he, um, 
he made it in uh, y'all don't ask do not ask me how I don't know uh, with all these COVID regulations there's actually only supposed to be one person in the hospital how my brother got in there with with two black people that look dead on each other sitting in the waiting room I don't know why neither one of us were kicked out but we weren't <laughs> um, which I thought was hilarious but um so, but it helped because I didn't have to wait by myself. And, um, cause that was scary. It's scary when you're, I was in the OR waiting room. And so every time a nurse or a doctor would come in, you know, it would make me jump, you know, and experience that for hour after hour after hour. It just, it just was too much. It was too much. Um, so having him there, you know, that he was, we were each other's strength. Um, and again, if you haven't watched he and I, you can watch us on a previous episode that I had him here for. Um, but after nine o'clock, the, the OR doctor came in and he said, um, he just looked at us and said, your dad was very sick. And he said, um, you'll need to pray, you'll need to pray. But I was just happy that he didn't die on that table because they did have to replace two valves and they did have to hook him up to the heart and lung machine. So there was nothing but God that gave us more time. It was nothing but God. Uh, so uh, we went home that night. There's nothing we could do. We, we did see him and oh gosh he had he was up to more machines he was on you know the kidney his kidneys had failed so he was on that dialysis machine heart and lung ventilator this is now what i've learned to know as life support um and that was when i knew that um we were going to have a long road ahead of us and I knew at that point my assignment was shifting. Um, so I came in that Saturday, uh, and anybody that knows me knows I love to cut up. So I came in and you know introduced myself to the nurses who would then become literally like family within like five days. And um, oh, I brought music, and you know just told him about what's going on and you know I held his hand I stroked his head and um, you know I played you know music that he absolutely loves and I sang and I told him even though he wasn't awake I told him to take the tenor part and I took the alto part and I just ushered in the presence of the Lord I knew that that was what he would want and I knew that that would, was my assignment, to just usher in the presence of God, no matter what was going on. Now at that time, I'm like, you know, he's still going to be healed. You know, he will get up from this. He will wake up from this. Um, but I knew at that point, that was my assignment, to usher in God's presence no matter what. And that's what I did. And I did that for Saturday. And I'll be honest, Sunday was a little bit rough for me. Um, just seeing him in that state, that vegetative state, 
um, unresponsive. Um, he was at a level three, they call it, like a, a medically induced coma. So he couldn't hear, respond, like, I mean, they, they said he might be able to hear, but not really the medicine that they, that he was on. So, um, and so I pushed that Sunday. I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. Um, and so I got there probably more like around 12 this time, you know, and, uh, or no, two, it was two, it was a little bit later. And, you know, we watched, we watched the Bengals game. And we watched them lose. And I told him, I said, Dad, I'm not praying for these Bengals, okay? All my prayers are going to you right now, okay? <laughs> so the Bengals lost, okay? They didn't get my prayers. But um, I decided to have a party with him. And we played, I played, you know, Shaka Khan and Earth, Wind & Fire and Lil Gap Band for him. And I sang, we sang all his favorite songs, you know? And then we worshiped a little bit more. And, um, you know, each time I came in, you know, the nurses would tell me no, no change. And my dad needed change. He needed to get better. He needed to improve and he didn't. And so Monday I knew was a big day for him um, because he had been at that point on life support for three days and you know, there were gonna be some decisions that needed to be made. And um, and so, you know, the doctor, you know, came in and um, I was there and I was really, you know, I my faith, y'all, my faith was there. I promise you it was. Um, and then the doctor, the OR doctor that did the surgery and his team, they came in and they shut the door. And that that was this one I knew. And so this isn't gonna be good. And he came in and he shut the door and he said, um, well he said, Well we try to Turn the heart and lung machine down, you know, just take it down. And he said his heart only could be at about 5%. And there were other options to, you know, take him other places and put him on, you know, a, a bigger, a larger life support machine. But, um, you know, at that point, I kind of. And so, you know, I had conversations with my family, my, um, with my, my brothers, and, um, oh gosh, you know, I didn't, because I was there, you know, I didn't want to, you know, be the person that brought such bad news. And so we had, well, we said, well, maybe he can make it out. You know, we were still hopeful. And they said, um, well, we can send him to another hospital out of town, but he would need to respond out of his coma. And so that night, they took him off all his coma medicine. Now, you and I both know, if you have been intubated 
and have had, you know, open heart surgery and, you know, you're on a heart and lung machine and all this other stuff and you got all these IVs in you, you're going to feel something. You're definitely going to feel something. And, um, he just never woke up. He never woke up. Um, he was still breathing because he was on the the life support so you know everything the, the heart and lung machine was pumping his blood the ventilator was helping him breathe but he was unresponsive and they needed him to respond like to his name and blink his eyes and that whole nine yards and he didn't respond and um that night he had given me a sign that um I'll keep to myself, um, but I knew he was ready to go. I knew it. I knew it. And um, I promised him two things. I promised him that he was not going to die alone and that, uh, that I would continue to just invite the presence of God in that room just for him because I know that's what he would have wanted. And so, Tuesday went by and my husband and kids flew in to Cincinnati to be with me. And um, so that was good. My husband was there, my kids were there um, just to be supportive. My husband sat with them on Tuesday, sat with my dad on Tuesday. And Wednesday, we had to make the call to take him off life support that night. And no one can ever prepare you for something like that. It's, and you know, the nurses, they were so sweet because they try to be so, at least mine were. And I, listen, I will tell you I told them, and I said, angels wear scrubs. That's what I told them. I said, angels wear scrubs because they were absolutely incredible. I mean, by the time, you know, at this point, you know, I have been singing worship music for days now, right? And so um, the night nurses, they would sing with me. My day nurse, she said she couldn't sing, but she loved it anyway. Um, but the night nurses, they sang with me. And um, I, you know, I had to ask them, how does this process work? Because who knows that type of process? Like, no one knows the process unless you, like, research it, unless you're a doctor. You don't know the process of taking someone off life support. And so you say, well, you pick a time. And, you know, I talked, I had to talk to my family, my brothers, and, and I had to choose a time. And that was really... That was hard. That was really, really hard. Um, it was just, it was so, such a surreal moment. Such a surreal moment. Um, and so that night, my grandma had gotten there and they had made all the provisions to allow my family to be there. So, um, you know, my, my, his immediate family, his brother and sister were there. Um, 
you know, my brother and sister were there. Um, my 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 aunts, uncles, um, my granny was there. So it's like there were like twelve of us in that room. And that was a blessing. Um, and we were all able to say goodbye. <sighs> I promised him that he wouldn't, that he was not gonna die alone. But no one can prepare you for when someone transitions. Never. Never. All I can say is, is that, and, and this is what I just keep telling people when I share my story, when I choose to share my story, and obviously I'm choosing to share it with you guys, is that my relationship with God it just grew exponentially in that moment because I had never experienced God in a way that was so true and so in its purest form than in that moment and those moments that I spent with my dad leading up to the time he transitioned. I have never, I have never experienced God in such a pure, true way than during that period. And that's, that's, that's all I can say because it was in the midst of such tragedy that I felt his presence so strongly. Like, does that like does that make sense to you? Like, so, like in in the moment where I felt my entire world crumbling, and I'm, you know, crying out to him, and just, you know, watching my dad just take his last breath. I have never felt the presence of God so heavy in my life, in my life. And, um, you know, that's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And I'm grateful for that because I know that I would have never experienced God in another, in another way than in that moment right there. Never. And, you know, my dad could have left out of here in so many other ways than what he did. And so I'm grateful for it all. I'm grateful, I'm grateful. As y'all may or may not can tell, I am a daddy's girl. I will always be a daddy's girl. Even though he's not here with me, I will always be a daddy's girl. So spending time with him um, in that way, I'll just never forget it. It was so special to me. It was so special to me. Um, I felt so out of control. <laughs> and, you know, hey, as boss moms, we like to be in control. This is what it is, right? But I felt so out of control. Actually, not out of control. I felt not in control. I think there's a difference. There is a difference between being out of control versus not in control when you're not in control there is a knowing 
that God is in control. And so that was one of the lessons that I that I really learned in that moment that it's okay to not be in control and that just because you're not in control doesn't mean that you're out of control, right? So that's one of the lessons that I learned. Um, another, oh gosh, I learned so much during this time. Obviously, another lesson is just to allow yourself to grieve. Now, girl, if you follow me often, like I know you do, you already know I put on boss hat and I'm always moving. So, you know, once my father passed, it was like work mode for me. And I worked, 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 you know, up until the funeral. For me, you know, my, my love language is um, acts of service. So for me, you know, producing, and, and my, my twin brother, his is too. Uh, well, that's one of his gifts, but um, acts of service is huge. So producing that hit a funeral for him was, you know, that was the biggest gift I could give my dad, you know, at that moment, you know, sending him off his home going, right? Um, and I worked myself to the bone, I did. And I knew at that moment I wasn't grieving. Um, and so I chose to grieve when I got home here to Las Vegas. And unfortunately, it pushed me a whole week back because my grandfather, the day after we buried my dad, my grandfather passed. So I had to do it all over again. Um, and so it took a lot longer for me to, you know, be able to get home to a quiet space where I wasn't doing, 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 doing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I was knowledgeable about that. I just wish that, you know, I would have been able to have some quiet time a little bit faster. So that's another thing that I learned. It's okay to grieve. And, um, but if you can't, it's okay. It's like, if you can't do it in that moment, because people around me were like expecting me to do that. And I'm like, at that point, I just had to just flat out explain, I'm gonna grieve when I get home. And then people were like, okay, I get it, I get it. I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and boohoo with you. I can't, I can't do it, I, I can't. Because I'll get up and start, you know, marthering all around. I'll start serving, I'll start, you know what I mean? I'll get you tissues, I'll start fixing a plate. You need to eat, you crying? You need to eat. I'll start fixing plates, all that stuff. Like, no. <laughs> so, no, I just began to tell people, listen, I'm going to grieve when I get home. And that's what I did. Um, I got quiet. And, you know, I told my husband that this is what I was going to do. I was going to grieve when I got home. And I was, and I told my kids. Um, I'm very open with my, my kids, so I told them, I'm going to grieve when I get home. And um, that was helpful. Um, from a business standpoint, um, I disappeared. I did. I absolutely disappeared. Um, 
because I do what I do as far as podcasting and you know sharing and all this stuff, it wouldn't have been right for me, for myself, if I was you know trying to record or you know share or you know explain to everybody like all this stuff that's going on. I didn't even understand what was going on, right? Like everything was a blur for me, everything. So it, I did it for myself. I did it for me. Now, I'm not saying that it was right, wrong, and diff I don't really care. I did it for me. So that's the other thing, like do what you need to do for you. If you have experienced loss, if you have gone through you know, something tragic, do what you need to do for you. You don't owe anybody an explanation. Truly. You know, that was, for, for me, that's my daddy, right? That was, you know, my relationship with him. That was, you know, my experience that I experienced at the hospitals and all that stuff. I needed to process that on my own without having to worry about, you know, this, you know, let me look at these analytics. Let me, how many clicks am I getting here? Hashtags, what the, I did what I needed to do for me, period, point blank. And if you've experienced loss, do what you need to do for you, sis. I'm telling you, do what you need to do for you. <laughs> that stove will still be working when you get there. Okay, it'll still be working when you get there. I think the older I get, you know, the more, you know, my quality of life is so much more important than the hustle and the grind, right? Like I'd rather be in alignment spiritually, um, emotionally, physically, than, you know, do the whole hustle and like just hustling, 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 hustling all the time, right? There's a time to do that, but then there's a time for yourself. And on top of being a wife, being a mom, you know, taking on all these other responsibilities, you have to do what you need to do for you. So that's what I did. I did what I needed to do for me. Now, I'm glad I got that off my chest. I feel like I needed to get that off my chest. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's my story. Um, we streamed my dad's funeral, so um, you're more than welcome to go and see it. Some, you know, we had uh, uh, several hundred people that streamed it. Um, my dad was well loved, so that, oh, that blesses me so much. Um, I spoke on there for a couple minutes and um, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Um, but yeah, um, I have one thing that I took with me. Wait, I'll go get it. Hold on. I'll show you. Hold on one second.
Okay, so this is my show and tell moment. I have one thing that I took um, with me from him that means the world to me, and that is his heart pillow. He, every person that um, does, gets open heart surgery gets this pillow because um, hopefully nobody on here has ever had to go through that, but you know, they, they gotta crack you open. So for like months, you can't like use your arms and your hands to brace yourself because it'll mess it all up. So they give you a heart pillow and um, the, the doctor signed it and um, showed me where the two valves were replaced. And this was on his bed um, after his surgery. So I, I took it with me and um, this was for me uh, full of the memories that he and I shared at the hospital. So this is my daddy's pillow. This is my daddy's heart and it will always be with me. It will always, always, always be with me. Um, so that's my show and tell moment. <laughs> um, I am so glad that you joined me today. I got through it with minimal tears. I'll probably like get off of this and be like, ah! um, but that's okay. I can do that. <laughs> In the words of Tab, because that's my business. But um, yeah, uh, I'm glad I got to share this with you. And um, now you know why I was gone for so long. Um, and why I needed to process and why I needed to grieve. And um, yeah, that's what I decided to do. Um, as you can see, I'm in my kitchen now. I kind of like it. You'll, you'll see. Oh, my new announcement. This is why you'll see. Because my book, the Front Burner book, will be coming out in 2021. I guarantee you. And honey, it's going to be so, 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 so good. You're going to love it. Um, and this next season of the Front Burner Podcast, um, I'll be sharing bits and pieces of that book. So you definitely want to tune in. I'll be starting in January. Um, I don't have the exact date yet, but as soon as I do, I will send it to you. So if you want that email letting you know when I will start my podcast up, head over to my website. Go to NikkiWillis.com. Um, click the subscribe button. I'm going to do better, a better job of making sure that subscribe button is a little higher. Okay? So you can see it as soon as you get on there. Because I want you to subscribe. Um, but go ahead and subscribe. 2020, 20, what is it? 2021 is going to be... A, an, an amazing year okay it's gonna be outstanding it's gonna be fantastic um, listen if you have made it through 2020 okay nothing can stop you all right we have been through pandemics losses changes in schools all that stuff you know distance learning and I think it's still happening but amen anyhow <laughs> you can get through anything. You can make it through any 
thing, all right? So I will see you guys in 2021. Now remember, I'm still gonna broadcast, but they're, they're gonna be rebroadcast, okay? I'm gonna do my top three podcasts from 2020. So um, if you haven't listened to all of my podcasts, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and listen to all the podcasts from this year and you tell me which ones that you like. Um, I'm gonna do it based on the listens, okay? So if you have a specific one that you want me to play, send me a DM, send me a message, all right? All right, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. I will see you in 2021. And listen, the year's not over yet, okay? I want you to kill it. I want you to be great. I want you to be awesome, be the best mom boss and wife boss that you can be. There, I said it, so go do it. All right, have a great rest of the year and I will see you in 2021. January, by the way, all right? So don't go far. Bye.